Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness. 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 Foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Well, guys, welcome to the Foolishness Podcast. This is me, Brian Sumner. I hope you're having an amazing time, and by that I mean wherever you may be, whatever may be going on. I don't have an episode per se for you today, but what I do want to do is give you an update of somewhat of my life and the ministry I'm doing. Many of you have messaged me asking me about ministry and how do I make a living, what do I do? So I'm excited to share today a brief ministry update with all of you. I hope you'll tune in. It won't be as long as normal, but many have asked, Brian, how do you continue doing what you do? What does life look like after having a professional skateboard career? Well, as many of you know, I came to faith in 2004. God saved me. I was currently divorced and depressed and pretty much suicidal. God saved me, then led me to witness to my ex-wife. She came to faith. We went on to have two more children and God began to bless. But what's amazing about this is that because of the way God restored our marriage and because of the platform that pro skating brought, I was immediately invited to begin to share what God had done. And so I found myself sharing at youth groups, getting asked to talk about my faith and how God was moving. I was speaking in these schools, and soon that became outreaches and events. Then it was things like Luis Palau events with hundreds of thousands of people, sometimes Franklin Graham outreach, things like Lifelight, these festivals around America and the world. And why this is amazing is because it was beginning to lead me to believe that this was just constantly what you do. Don't all Christians always live, always sharing their faith? And of course, we know that's what the Bible says. But I was exposed to this almost immediately, believing this was the norm. And so there I am on top of my game in skating, now coming to faith, realizing there's a kingdom of heaven that is invading earth. And at the same time, as God's doing that work, more and more doors begin opening I'm able to share the gospel everywhere I'm going, about our marriage, about life, and soon there was things like TV and radio, you know, things on TBN, the 700 Club, Billy Graham's My Hope America went around the world, you may have seen the I Am Second video series, and as more and more things began opening up, it was like God was pushing me more and more and more specifically into a certain kind of ministry. And at this time, many people were saying, well, what are you going to do with skating? What does God want to use your skateboard for? And I love skating. Don't get me wrong. I stayed in that world for years, you know, riding for Birdhouse, for Analog, all these other brands. And I made a point. I was witnessing to Jake Phelps and Cardiel and Dennis Booz and it's guys I was around as well. They were all hearing about what God was doing and this life and love that he's given us through Christ on the cross. But what takes place is, As God restored my marriage, am I really going to go travel for three weeks to get four or five tricks and be away from this woman as God is redeeming us and wants to restore our marriage? So it was the, I'm getting more heavily focused on my faith. I'm getting planted in a local church. I'm reading everything, watching everything, and soon I'm serving at that church. Soon I'm over, you know, greeter ministry, um, overseeing various tasks. Soon I'm a deacon. Soon I'm getting in the pulpit, and before long, there's more and more ministry. And listen, I never planned on getting on a platform, never planned on getting on a stage. I wasn't someone that liked to speak to a large amount of people. I love people, don't get me wrong, but I didn't think I'm going to go be this preacher and be doing all these things. 
The idea of riding sermons and getting up in front of people just scared me. It sounded crazy. But as I'd said to the Lord, Lord, I need to be forgiven of my sin. God did that. I lay down my skating. However, I'll get baptized. God, I'll even remarry this woman because we were going through so much stuff. It would take an act of faith for both of us to agree to that. But by now, I'd done various Bible schools and partnered with every kind of ministry, deep with experience. And so by about 2013, I was now able to preach, teach, and reach over 200 times a year worldwide through churches, outreaches, mission trips, youth camps, schools, colleges. I mean, it was universities, a men's rehab, a men's conference, and prayer meetings, marriage conference, action sports, over and over. I'm saying that to say there were so many ambiguous things coming my way. I was saying, okay, Lord, how do I manage doing this while figuring out whatever the rest of my life is. I mean, I get a call to go to a place, speak on a Thursday night for an hour or two to the youth. Friday night would be two sessions on marriage. Saturday would be this big outreach with thousands of people at the skate park. Then we would invite all them back to a church, you know, in the middle of America somewhere or wherever, Australia. And then I preach all these services. And why I'm saying this is this was the journey God was leading me on. And so as I was at home at my home church branches, I sat with some of the pastors and elders and said, what's next for my life? Do you know, do I go start a business? Do I go do real estate? What do you do after skateboarding and what am I doing? And literally they said, you really need to honor this call. You need to step out into this ministry. So much of your time is devoted to it and you've been living off your savings, but we believe that you're called to walk in this office as an evangelist. And basically what they were saying was you need to pursue the call of full-time ministry I'd helped a friend that was launching this big, big shoe company. And so for two years, I'd helped him. We'd gone to China and Germany and around the world. And he literally said, Brian, you are like a caged lion everywhere you go. Yes, I know you love the brand and you're pushing it, but you're focused so much more on reaching these people, evangelizing these people. You need to really consider doing this full time. So here's why I'm saying this. Here's why I'm putting this out, because this puts you in quite a situation I mean, in case you haven't noticed, churches don't generally have the role of a staff evangelist the way they do for a lead pastor, a pastor, a worship leader, a secretary, or even a janitor. I mean, do you listen to this? Do you know anyone that's a staff evangelist, someone that constantly is ready to go anywhere, do anything, and to proclaim the truth in all different avenues and areas in and out of season? You probably don't. So for people like myself, we either take a position we're not called to, sitting at a desk, going through some paperwork, doing whatever, and yes, it's serving the church, but numerous people around me said, Brian, there's so much momentum, you should continue doing this. And as I began to sit under their counsel, pray with people, they said, you need to go and raise a consistent salary through ministry partners so as to be focused full-time on what God has commanded. And when people began to say commanded, I said, well, what do you mean? And I knew the verse they were talking about. I mean, Acts 6 and 4 tells us the apostles themselves were able to devote themselves fully to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the apostle Paul tells us that the Lord has commanded, not just suggested, but commanded that those who proclaim the gospel get their living from it. So it literally means a certain people that live out in the world with jobs and careers and various pastimes. But there's other people who are in specific roles and the certain roles where God has commanded that they make the living from it. As I was hearing this, I was looking around saying, well, where are the evangelists? I began to dig. I began to meet with many church leaders I respected. And I was blown away to find out 
and I'll speak some of this for you to understand, but the number one reason evangelists walk away from the roles is because they spend over 50% of their time raising support. They're not on staff. Guys like me are not generally on staff. And so what happens is you spend all this time sitting with people, asking for resources and casting the vision and they get burned out and frustrated. And that's like saying to you, just imagine if your whole church staff was to raise support. Would they get their work done? Would the ministry run as it should? I mean, will we see even more than the estimated 1,200 pastors leaving their roles a month as we already do? It's estimated that only 8% of evangelists fulfill the call. I mean, they're in church and they want to go. They're zealous, but they don't know what to do. They go sit in the nursery, hold babies, get burned out. And yes, they go get a job. And yes, they go evangelize there somewhat, but they're not really honoring the office. And I know that because I've sat with many young men and even ladies as of late who've said, man, I feel this call to go. I'm trying to raise support. So in two or three years, I'm like, no. You need to get a vision, get a plan, sit with some people who love you, who know you, who care about you. Look at what I have written on my website for what I do. I know these people. They're always trying to speak places. They're willing to go everywhere. Their their wife is behind them, ready to trust and believe with them. And I'm like, some of these people takes barely anything to live a month. And if a couple of business people or Christians that believed in what they were doing got alongside of them, you would see many souls hearing the word of God daily through these people. So the idea that many evangelists don't fulfill the call is crazy because is this not possibly what Paul meant when he said, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain? And we've been told that the worker is deserving of his wages. I say all this in love, but with boldness because God's word tells us the office of the evangelist is to help equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And if the estimates are accurate that the local church is focused 85% on discipleship and systems and the rest, then that's only 15% on evangelism. And so I think it's high time we go back to calling people into what Jesus called us to do. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He showed us how to do that for three and a half years. And then once he died and resurrected, what was his call? It was the same. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And as far as part-time work, you know, you'll have a well-intended leader or elder say, well, Paul made tents. Paul did make tents. But it was while he was visiting Ephesus, Corinth, Thessalonica. And it was for specific reasons in that day. And when he did this, he would only share generally on the Sabbath. But once he was fully funded, his whole week then became about preaching, discipleship, and ministry. I say this because to say 150, 200 times a year, I'm getting to be out and about around the world, sharing, seeing so much fruit. This is the way my life has unfolded, that literally tonight, even tomorrow, I'll be getting messages to go speak somewhere, to share somewhere. If I was doing something else, I couldn't do this. I would never ask my pastor to go and get a full-time job while he preached and carried the weight of our church the way he does, because I think his hair will be gray overnight. He'd be stressed. And I've had many well-intended people say, well, Brian, you know, I used to have a ministry. I used to run a church and I worked here and I did this. And I also did the ministry. And I said, well, you used to. Were you operating 100%? Were you living under that call that God has commanded those who proclaim the gospel get their living from it? And some of you might now be saying, well, man, this guy's making such a case for the office of evangelist. Yes. Like I said, I was divorced and suicidal. I'd never heard the word. 
Where was someone to share with me? There was plenty of people in the church getting fed and sometimes sadly only being entertained. And as you look around today, there's this very progressive Christianity. And when I travel, a majority of the focus that people ask me to speak on is evangelism, the Great Commission, to encourage their church to go. And I tell those pastors, what would you do if I walked into your church? And they say, well, we'd have a position, you know, you could oversee marriages, you could oversee evangelism, you could, I said, no, no, no. What would you do if I walked into your church at 15, 16, 17, even 20, and I was zealous, and I had all these ideas to go and to reach? Would you see the call of God on my life, like you need to on the people that are walking into your churches? Or would you view it as a pastoral role and say, well, we don't know what to do with these ministries. We don't know what to do with the evangelists. We don't know what to do with these people that walk in. Because for me, it became very specific. It was constant. And it came down to three areas of ministry. It was missions, marriages, ministry. Missions is simple. It's going, equipping, and sending. Evangelism is the driving force of the ministry I'm doing. And this is where all the conversations, messages, focus leads. And that's the way God made me. You probably know who you are and the way God has made you. But this takes on the form of missions trips, outreaches worldwide, seeing souls won, communities established, churches birthed constantly partnering with ministries that challenge churches and communities, but also with the goal of equipping them and helping them understand and live out the gospel. And this is important in word and deed, not just loving people and hoping they'll ask you, but as Paul said, living it out in word and a proclamation, but also indeed in love and care and service that goes with it. And we've done trips around the world to Costa Rica, Australia, New Zealand, through England, other parts of South America, and it's normally going in with a five to 15 person team, preach and teach, serve, encourage the church. And as people come to faith, plant them in the church going back every few months or years to see the fruit. Secondly, it's become marriages. God redeemed our marriage from divorce and blessed us with two more children. So right away, we began digging into his word to figure out how to have a godly marriage. And we've since used this platform to point people to God's word, of course, most important, oftentimes at marriage conferences, in churches. I'll be going to Canada in about a week and a half to do two sessions on a Saturday night. And also with the marriage book, Never Fails Marriage, with the goal of giving people 30 days of reading to reestablish their relationship and to ground them in God's word. And also we have a very intentional focus on just meeting with couples for personal counseling and the third thing is ministry. Weekly, if not daily, I am constantly sharing at youth groups, camps, schools, colleges, universities, are helping the next generation, understanding whose image they were created and why. This has also gone into rehabs, local missions, men's conferences, prayer breakfasts, the bi-weekly skate nights we do, the We Gather Worship Evangelism Nights, and then as an itinerant preacher in local churches or went home filling the pulpit as part of the teaching team. Things like this podcast have been launched this year and it's beginning to reach tens of thousands of people with every episode. And all of this takes time, planning, prep. Even Isaac who produces it drives in from a few hours away. We sit, it's all volunteer. And so all this ministry I'm talking about is only made possible because people choose to partner. Meaning Christians who see the fruit of the ministry and to raise a consistent monthly salary. So I'm not going somewhere like a puppet. I'm not asking ministries for anything when I go. 
They can bless if they choose to, but I now get to go and do marriages, ceremonies, services, and all the rest because I'm raising a consistent salary so I can give my time to this. Many people have partnered at times throughout the years, but it fluctuates. A card gets turned off. People think, oh, he's on staff somewhere, and I'm not. I don't take salary from anywhere. Either people choose to partner monthly, they give a one-time gift. I have a few churches that say, Brian, we believe in this call. We come alongside of you. And I'll tell you at 40, now at this age, seeing the need for the role of an evangelist to be established within church communities, as well as all the other ministry, I feel more confident than ever about what God has done and is doing. Who is the evangelist in the church? What is the work of an evangelist? I mean, Jesus' own ministry, unbeknownst to many, was not funded by way of sneaking coins out of fish's mouths, but because the Bible says in Luke 8, 1-3, that many were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. God's ministry has always been funded by people, as Paul said, charging the rich to be generous, storing up for themselves treasure, which is truly life. I can post this, I can say this to the faithful of you who are listening, because he said the harvest is ripe and my goal is to head out to labor. People are out there in our state as we once were in the past in need of the gospel. And so what my prayer is, is I'm believing that just as Jesus told us to store up for ourselves treasure in heaven, where our hearts should be focused, that people will hear this, take time to pray, ask God if they are to sacrificially partner, help this ministry reach its monthly goal, I can unashamedly afford, you know, Lord, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, reaching people. Paul told us that the gift and call of God is without repentance, means he's made you the way you are. You're his workmanship, and there's a specific role for all of us. And the Bible tells us that he who wins souls is wise. If please, guys, consider partnering with this ministry. If you'd like to do so, you can go over to briansumner.net. You can go to the support page. It will give you a bunch more information. It's through a nonprofit. It's all tax deductible and all of it is accountable, meaning anyone can request it at any time if they are a giver. I say all this because 10 years ago, I had the hardest time saying, I'm asking people to partner with this ministry. And like I said, only 8% are fulfilling their call. I want to reach at least the same amount of people as last year, if not more. I want to be able to focus full-time on ministry like generally pastors can. You can hit me up at briansummer.net with any questions or concerns. God bless you all. Thank you for your time. Amen. Prophecies and promises from long ago Spirit-given holy word that you foretold All mankind tied with an ancient curse the truth inside your word is what gives us worth Eternal wisdom, history of the plan To be wed, the blood that shed for the sins of man O Christ Emmanuel i
Psalm 22 speaks of the sacrifice That you made upon the cross to bring us life Living water satisfy the thirst Tortured souls to spiritual rebirth There will never be another like you promises reign so clear and true Oh Lord, your words are life Holy is the Lord God Almighty Who was and is and is to come Holy is the Lord Promises are true. Lord, your promises are true. So 